Hey everyone, welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. This week, I'm joined by Ben from Ben's Watch Club. Thanks for joining me, Ben. No worries, Sam. Yeah, we're ready here today to hopefully save some people some pain and money. The pain and money bit is definitely part of watch collecting, so we don't want to save too many people from it because that's how you learn your lessons. But we thought we would do top 10 things for new watch collectors. Do you want to go with your first one and then I'll do one? Here's one that I'm sure many people have kind of, uh, not, not exactly fallen for, but uh, maybe invested too much time in, Instagram. Watch shopping on Instagram. Oh, yeah. You see, it, it can be a good resource. There's loads of pictures, loads of nice looking watches. There's also a shed load of fakes on the site. I'd say maybe 50% of the watches you see are fakes, um, at least from my experience. Um, loads of people flexing the watches, gets you thinking you need to spend 20 grand on a watch and before you know it you've ended up spending more than you uh, ever would have wanted to uh, so for those trying to be responsible it might not be the place to head i agree and especially last year when we were all confined during the quarantine or for, for most of it the, the temptation to look on social media at it's bombarding isn't it the kickstarter watches that are there the, some of the fashion brands it's hard to really judge it is. And at the end of the day, all these uh, models who've been photoshopped 16 times, they're going to look good in any watch, aren't they? Just the same with the clothes. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think somewhere like even even YouTube is generally more useful, to be honest, more more information based, shall we say. Well, my one is, I'll just flip on over to eBay here. My one is eBay watches in particular I'm going to call out two watches here. First, I'm going to start with Indian watches sold from India that aren't Indian brands. So there there are Indian brands, there's like HMT, there's a few others, there's even some new Indian micro brands. But what I'm talking about is watches that seem very cheap, but with main brand names on them. So here I've got an example of an Oris. Now, Oris never made a watch like that. You'll see them... Jaeger Culture on them. You'll see a lot of Citizen, a lot of Seiko, and these are Franken watches. And you, I, when I first started out watch collecting, this is a cautionary tale that I fell into. I definitely bought a few of these, and they are just—they're just a mess. They fall to bits when you first get them. They, if if they arrive at all, have you ever, have you ever experienced these? I have, thanks to my wife. Uh, a couple of years back, bought me a, I think it was birthday present. Seiko 5, uh, as soon as I unwrapped it, unfortunately, the alarm bells were immediately ringing. Didn't look like any sort of Seiko 5 that I'd seen. Looked like it had been produced perhaps somewhere else. Uh, it was a maybe a fake slash Franken watch. Uh, it stopped working within about six days. So uh, it wasn't exactly a Seiko quality watch, <laughs> whose quality control is already bad enough. <laughs> Well, also, I just, I'll just i just piggyback onto this. So this is like a, a, an additional one. And I just want to point this out is this Omega Seamaster. And, and what I want to say about this one is often when you get into new watch collecting and you're searching for Omega or vintage Omega watches, oftentimes, and I just looked up at a few here, are these Seamaster Omega watches. Now, at one time, this is this is the type of watch that Omega made. But just a cautionary tale, you're not getting an Omega watch on the cheap or Omega watch on the cheap here. 
you really have to know what you're doing to buy these because they can be difficult to repair. If you're new into watches, you might not really understand what the descriptions are saying. So this is just another cautionary tale is some of these high-end watches cost what they cost and going on eBay and trying to find ones that, that seem like a good deal aren't necessarily always that good a deal absolutely especially with these older watches the purchase price it doesn't tell the full story does it and it's not the whole price you may ultimately end up paying yeah and also you've got to be careful of, of buying a watch that has a movement in that can be serviced because there's some brands some vintage brands that even though the brand is long dead they use eta movements or other movements where they can be serviced whereas there's some brands that had their own in-house movements that you essentially have to cannibalize another watch in order to repair it. So you've got to factor those things in. Absolutely. Something else that's even worse than that though, Sam. Uh, when you see a watch brand, you like the look of it, you haven't really heard the name before. There's a fair chance these days that they may be drop shipping. So for those of you unaware of uh, this business model, this is where a company just comes up with a random watch brand, normally with like a really stereotypical British man's name, uh, like 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 Stephen Wellington or something. Uh, you might have heard where the second one was from. Uh, they got set up a store. They have these very often minimalist-looking watches, but not just restricted to minimalist watches. And you think you're buying a watch from them, but what you're actually doing is inadvertently buying a watch from the likes of Alibaba wholesaler from China, whereby the store where you bought from has basically nothing to do with the transaction. So what happens is they have an arrangement with these wholesalers where when a customer places an order, they'll ship the watch directly from the wholesaler to you, the customer. And as a result, you'll be paying a huge markup because the store is the middleman. Instead, uh, I'd highly recommend if you've never heard of the brand that you're planning on buying and they haven't got like a good reputation, I'd have a quick check on the likes of AliExpress, Alibaba. Type in the search bar, the general style of watch that you're looking at. Just do a couple of scrolls, a few pages. And if you see the exact design there on the page, there's a fair chance they're drop shipping. And I've found countless examples of this. I've loved them on my YouTube channel before now. There was even a company called No Label Watch who tried to use that as a marketing point. The fact that they had no logos on because they were too lazy to... Uh, or too cheap, should I say, to pay the premium to have the watches private labeled. So they went for the completely clear ones, which cost less per unit. I, I totally agree with you. And that's a good one as well. If you do really like the look of one of these fashion brands or a watch that you might expect to be a drop chip, go on AliExpress. I bought this bracelet on AliExpress because I found it on a website and it was it was quite expensive. And I went on AliExpress and it takes an age for them to to get to you i think this took 60 days but you can definitely find a bargain on there so go on aliexpress because you can buy as a consumer you don't have to buy a uh, hundred of them yes that's true there's definitely a lot of fakes on the side don't get me wrong especially sort of some of these big brands but yeah if it's a tiny brand that you've never heard of they seem to have only just popped up and all their watches are all on aliexpress already then yeah you know save yourself but 90 percent markup and just get it from there instead my next one is don't feel as a new watch collector, you have to paint by numbers. And what I mean by that is if you don't like dress watches, don't feel you have to buy a dress watch. So you, if you don't like pilot watches, don't buy a pilot watch. There's this, I think as you get into new 
watch collecting, you have to do this paint by numbers like, well, I need a dress watch, I need a pilot's watch, I need a dive watch, I need a sports watch, you know, I need a, a G-Shock for the gym. You, you don't worry about, just buy what you like. Don't worry about necessarily painting by numbers because you're trying to fill slots in a watch box or something along that line. That sometimes is a difficult lesson to learn and oftentimes you end up buying a lot of watches. And I think sometimes as you're getting into collecting, that's part of the fun is finding what you really like. Here's one that might save you a few quids in the long run. Uh, I'm not someone that likes to hoard stuff, but it might be worth sometimes keeping onto boxes, especially of well-known brands like the box that the watch comes in. Because a lot of the time, if it's a watch that you get, you wear it for a while, but your feelings may change in like, three or four years you may stop wearing it, you can get a significant portion more of the money back if it's in the original box and with some of the packaging. Even with some of the cheap watches, this isn't just, you know, your Rolexes and whatever. I've noticed you can maybe get like 30% more for a watch that's in the box because I suppose for the new buyer, it's like they have more reason to believe it's legitimate and not one of those uh, Franken watches that you mentioned earlier. I go back and forth on this because some of the watches that, watch boxes you get are ridiculous. Citizen, where you get that mini scuba tank, I still don't really understand why they do that. So I can understand where why people might get rid of those because they do take up a lot of room, but I don't disagree with you. Some, some of the boxes I think could be do with being a bit more multifunctional. I think the best ones are where it comes wrapped in a watch roll or Breitling or something like that, where the, the case is a travel case as well. I think watch companies could do better at that. My next one is, this is a bit of a controversial one. I know this, but I'm going to label this as not all homage watches are a homage to another watch. And this term gets banded around a lot. I'll try and illustrate this because some watches are just copies of other watches, whereas other homage watches are paying respect to a design. So, Ben, I'm going to try and convince you on this one. And there's a famous, there's a famous Jaeger LeCultre watch called the Deep Sea. And one of my favorite micro brands, Vea, have a watch that pays homage to that design. So it, it, it uses elements of their dial, but as you can see, the case shape is completely different. The hands are different on there as well. So it's, it's paying respect to that classic design. And you'll see car companies use this, fashion brands use this. Whereas there's other brands, and I'm going to, there's many of these, but I'm going to in particular call out Steinhardt, where they just make a copy of a Rolex, but just tweak it enough so, so this, for example, I would say is a copy of a root beer Rolex rather than paying any sort of respects to that design. Steinhardt's aim isn't to pay respect to a design. It's to create a watch that looks like a Rolex. To cash in on the design. To cash in on the design. And why, yeah. why, is, this, why is this important? Well, because... Once you get into watches and you understand the history of them, Rolex, particularly a very complex but very interesting brand. My motto with a lot of these things is you can fake the look of a watch, but you can't fake its history or romance or the reason why that watch in particular is an icon. So as you're getting into watches 
I think that's an interesting thing to understand why certain watches are and certain historical watches because they are historically significant doesn't mean that you can still appreciate them without having to own something that looks like it. There's so many unique looking watches out there, new watches, old watches that that are unique across all spectrum of price ranges. You know, the Veya watch that I showed you there is, is below $500, but some of the Citizen watches uh, and, and things like that that have their own unique design language. I think that's a really interesting thing as you start watch collecting is understanding why watches look certain ways and the history of design. And a lot of these brands get away with making watches that look like Rolex or look like Hublot because design patents are very hard to fight. The Submariner, Rolex Submariner, isn't a style of watch. It's a watch design that belongs to Rolex. So that's my uh, that's my next one is homage watches. Absolutely. I, I don't know many people who have spent a long time, you know, in and around watches that still enjoy hum, homage watches, uh, a.k.a., you know, rebadged fakes, pretty much uh, a lot of them are, which is a shame in some cases because some of these brands, you know, they can make uh, excellent products, like build quality-wise. However, you know, I'm not someone who likes to wear a design that isn't even like an original design. I like, I like something fresh personally and i think most people listening to this probably would too in the long run uh so you might might be saving yourself the cash up front yeah exactly because it's never going to have that same feel as the real thing unfortunately uh, no i won't give you the feeling even more importantly um something else that's important is that specs don't always tell the whole story uh obviously as watch lovers especially us two as uh, wristwatch creators you know in our videos and that we have to go through the specifications of the watch so that you guys generally have an indication of what you're buying but specs should be just that an indicator like one of many things that you can take into account with a watch because as we've both seen before it's incredibly easy to pack really high specs into dirt cheap watches but then you get the watch in your hands and it looks and feels awful uh you know it's hideous watch or it's uh, uh, super cheap homage or uh, the finishing's really rough there's many other aspects of a watch to consider such as the the finishing the design itself has that design been thought through or any time spent on it what's the quality control like that's one of the ones we see on some of these super cheap watches because what's what good is sapphire crystal if the bracelet disintegrates and falls off the watch within two weeks like you know th there's there's many things to consider so don't just look at the specs and treat that as gospel as to how good the watch is because if that was the case you know we'd all be wearing pagani design <laughs> you know if we were just going off paper but we're not because that isn't the only thing that matters is it no i i to totally totally agree with you and there's other facets to this as well is that there's a lot of value in the micro brand sector as well so i would encourage people to to look at that especially some of the like Veyer I mentioned, but some of the other brands like Boulder and Phoebus, where they're using materials that you associate with higher-end watches, like titanium, for example. I think it's good to understand the specs and take an objective view on things because there's definitely some high-end watches where the specs aren't great. So it's good to have that always in the back of your mind to understand the specs, but you're right not necessarily base your decision on what the specs of the watch are. Absolutely, because otherwise, you know, you'd see the likes of a Young Hans on paper, if that's how you pronounce it, and those Young Hans watches, they got 
rubbish specs, you know? They're only using acrylic crystal, most of them. Uh, obviously, some are using nice mechanical movements or whatever, but they've still got some quartz watches that are well over 300 pounds. And then you compare that on paper to an AliExpress automatic special for 40 quid. A lot of people on paper may pick the latter as the best watch, when in fact, I, th I think when you have both in, in your hands, it will be pretty obvious which one actually is better. It's just hard to describe it on a, on a spec sheet, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned an interesting point there that there's brands that have mechanical and quartz movements. And I think it's not always that the mechanical version is better or a better quality watch. Oftentimes, for example, I'm wearing a, a Seiko that has a quartz movement in it because I think the equivalent Seikos in this price range the mechanical movements aren't as good as their quartz movements in my view. So it, don't automatically assume that mechanical is always better. That, I suppose that links in with you one about understanding the specs of a watch and how they're made. Absolutely. What have you got next for us, Sam? I've got another one here that might be poking fun at us as watch reviewers. And that is that don't assume a watch is an icon because somebody online is telling you it's an icon really do your research and i'm going to use the seiko skx 009 and skx 007 as an example here because you'll see a lot of watch youtubers i even in the early days made videos on this watch there where they'll tell you this watch is an icon and if an icon is a watch that was used for a purpose or if a specialist group used them like the military or something like that, that's what I think of an icon or, or an iconic design or a watch that moved a brand forward. I don't think that the SKX fits into that. And I'll give an example of a watch that I do think is an icon and that is the Casio, the DW5600 range. And the reason that I think this is an icon is because not only was it a definitive moment for, for the Casio G-Shock line, but this watch was used by military personnel. It was extensively used for space travel. It's one of the few watches that NASA have actually authorized for space travel. So that's my one is when somebody tells you something's an icon, do your own research. I, I guess there's kind of a difference in a watch being like iconic in a movie than in YouTube videos. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Because some of these is like iconic in the YouTube scene for being spoken about by YouTubers so much. I guess that isn't um, always the, the full meaning of icon. Exactly. And the in the SKX 009 has been in, as far as I'm aware, you see it in, in TV shows, but as far as I'm aware, it's been in one Robert Redford film that nobody's really heard of where he's shipwrecked so uh, yeah there's there's different there's different things that are iconic about watches i think so if somebody says something's an icon i would do your own research and then decide for yourself because you might decide that the skx 009 is, is an icon but there's definitely watches that have served a purpose that's not to say it's not a good watch though is it so i'm that's like true. it's a solid watch if you can obviously get it at a good price these days it, it, we're not saying it's a it's a bad watch just maybe not as iconic as some others like an f91 Exactly, exactly. And and going back to the homage argument, there is Mark over at Long Island Watches makes a homage to the SKX009, which has a lot better specs in it than the SKX009 did. And the the prices for those now are, are crazy for sure. What's your uh, what's your next on your list? This one might hit close to home, Sam, as as people who seem to get watches bombarded at them. Um choose their online presence. And it's something that beginners might also find 
very useful to prevent you from hoarding watches because if you start on a watch collection, especially in the affordable end of the market, you can accrue watches pretty quickly without realizing it. And before you know it, you've got so many that there's a big portion of your collection that you'll probably never touch. I know that's been the case with me in the past. Uh, obviously, it's a bit different for us, you know, running basically a, a business with these sorts of things. But if you're someone at home and you want to be a bit more maybe responsible with watches and just keep a nice lean collection, it might be worth considering the one in, one out rule. So when you buy a watch, a new watch, you have to sell an old one. And then that keeps you, you know, nice and thin down with your collection and keeping it only to stuff that you're wearing, really. Pretty simple. Yeah, exactly. And that can feed into other things like buying at the right price. Sometimes pre-owned is a much better deal. Sometimes gray market watches like Joma Shop can offer much better value. And then maybe understanding watches that if you are going to do the one in one out rule, that you can at least get some money back for them. It's not a brand that depreciates straight away as soon as you buy it, like Movement, for example, or Shanola or one of the other brands where once you're you're taking the hit up front. And that's not necessarily to say base all of your watch buying decisions on whether a watch is going to retain its value or go up in value because then you should only buy Rolex watches. But it's it's buy what you like. But if you are doing the one in one out rule or you think that you're going to enjoy rotating your collection of watches like I do, maybe doing a bit of research up ahead about what what you could resell these watches for in future, I guess. Absolutely, especially if you're considering, you know, multiple different brands, maybe there's a few, you can't decide which one, maybe that could be the deciding factor for you. Exactly, exactly. And there's some people as well that don't, that that cost is is no object because they like to buy a certain type of watch or they like vintage watches or so on. And that's the beauty of watch collecting is all sorts. Well, my last one here for new watch collectors is don't assume because a brand does something else well that they make watches that are good value for money. And I am going to call out most of the fashion brands. In particular, I'm going to call out Gucci, for example. And Gucci make good clothes. I have a Gucci wallet that has lasted me forever. It was expensive to start with, but it was an investment that paid off. But I don't think I would gravitate to buying a watch from Gucci because I think for a simple quartz watch, 1350 here, and we, we talked about specs not being everything, but when it's something that is the the specs blatantly don't show any sort of value in the watch, I think you have to be careful of it. And it's not just fashion brands that do this. There's other brands that that have iconic names I recently reviewed a Luminox watch where I didn't think that that represented good value. But understanding that just because a brand like Gucci or Armani or so on make good other things, they don't necessarily make watches that are good value for money or that are going to last you a long time. Absolutely. Had almost an identical experience with Fossil, believe it or not. Had a really good Fossil wallet that uh, my wife bought me from America, funnily enough. And that's lasted me ages. Really good quality. Uh, had a Fossil watch in for a review. think it was late 2020. Disaster. Absolute garbage. And it's not often I'll, I'll just outright say garbage, but that was 
perhaps not even worth putting in a landfill. Honestly, one of the worst watches I've ever seen. And along similar lines as well, uh, is just because a watch brand has produced really good watches in the past doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to produce good watches right now or in the future. It's worth maybe keeping tabs on it, you know, and making sure you're up to date with like reviews from un as unbiased sources as you can. Uh, because, for instance, like Fossil, when I did uh, a recent video, I can't remember when it was, to be honest, but I covered how in loads of the investor calls for the Fossil Group, they actually explained that they'd been cutting costs for the last few years. So the watches were actively getting worse over time for customers, which unless you were in the know about that before purchasing, you may not have realized. So those watches, Fossil watches might have been good in the late 90s, early 2000s, but right now they're, they're garbage, or at least the, the main Fossil line is from, from what I can tell. Perhaps there's some outliers, but I'm yet to see it. This is this is such a good one because I live in the US and there was some iconic US brands and a lot of those died out in the quartz crisis in the, the 70s and 80s. And these brands were were sold off overseas and various different other markets. And those brands names are being used now to make completely different watches. So that's a really good point is just because they did make good watches at one point or because that brand was associated with making quality watches at one time doesn't necessarily mean that they make, uh, that it's a similar quality, right? Or they're producing similar watches to the ones that they did in the past. So that's a really good one. So what's your what's your last one then to round us out? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a bonus here. I know we said, Tim, I, I've got a last one, which I think is worth throwing in as well. Um, Yes, bonus time. And that is, uh, when you're buying one of these watches, I was going to say especially on the lower end, but it isn't necessarily always on the lower end. Uh, I typically factor in the cost of a replacement strap or bracelet because so many watches across the board come with rubbish, rubbish bracelets that are terribly finished or really tinny feeling or very uncomfortable or straps that look terrible and feel awful on the wrist. Just factor in the cost of a replacement strap by default when you're buying a new watch, unless you already have some as a backup, because you'll only regret it otherwise. Again, you won't have expected to spend another twenty odd quid at least on a on a strap. That's a great point. Or uh, linking in with that, I'd say, don't buy a watch based on the strap it comes with. So if you like the look of a watch, but you can't live with the fact it's got a green strap, leather strap, or you can't live with the fact that it's it's leather instead of rubber or you would prefer it on a steel bracelet instead of the watch it comes on don't have that being the deciding factor because changing the strap on a watch not only you can get a better quality watch you completely you completely change the look of a watch the the most stark one is putting a watch on a nato gives it a completely different look so not don't sort of confine yourself into thinking about oh i don't like that watch because of the strap it comes on because that actually is the easiest thing to swap out and not only that take that strap off that it comes with and never wear it then you're going to increase your resale value likely as well oh yes and look at that that's a perfect way to tie it up sam all right well this was our top tips for new watch collectors let us know over on the facebook group on the discord 
or in the comment section down below if you've got any tips, whether you agree with us, whether you disagreed with us. Ben, thanks for joining me this week. No problem, Sam. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, check out, check out Ben's channel, Ben's Watch Club, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.